Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hi, how's it going? Dave. Dave. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with Good Thing, and Craig does that one. Go. I'm going to steal one from Tori this week. My Good Thing is a video game called Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line. It is, well, it used to be Final Fantasy inspired, but now there's many Square games. It's a rhythm game that's based on Final Fantasy and other Square music. Uh, It's been out since, like, the DS era, and this is the latest iteration, and it has lots of songs. And if you get the DLC, there's, like, 500 songs. So there's a lot of songs. I'm looking forward to Corona Trigger. Um, If you've never played it before, it's... I don't know. It's it's a rhythm game. It's all about hitting the notes corresponding sometimes to the beat, sometimes to the melody. It changes throughout the the song, as I'm sure Dave could, could talk about at length. But uh, just to make it tricky. So you're either. <laughs> it's just like sometimes you're playing the melody and sometimes you're playing the rhythm. And sometimes it changes multiple times in a single measure. Yeah. But, you know, once you learn the maps, it's it's, it's pretty good. I've okay. noticed it tends to do that on the harder difficulties over the easier ones. But uh, as I mentioned, you're hitting the different notes. It's not playing any of the instruments on the easier ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the beat, uh, there's certain melodies where you have to yeah. hold the buttons down or you have to press multiple at the same time. Because it used to be touchscreen based when it was on the DS. So they had to translate it um, into a, I guess, controller. But it's really neat. It has a lot of good music. You get to you get characters from the different you know Final Fantasy games. You get to level them up. There is a bit of an RPG mechanic going on there that, that let you get items that let you level up faster. You know. There's gameplay, which I care about. I like it because I like figuring out like who has good abilities and what works together so I can kill bosses and stuff like that. It's fun. I I still haven't quite bought into the RPG elements of this game. Like, if you just want a rhythm game to enjoy the music and play along with it, like you you can largely ignore that stuff unless you're just trying to unlock everything. Like if you're trying to unlock the stuff. Then you have to min-max your stats and itemize and things like that. Um, I mean, it does it, it does benefit to have healer characters so that if you mess up, you don't immediately lose the song. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm just like, it's a rhythm game. It doesn't need all this stuff. And like, I'm, and it does add an element of fun to it that I just I qu- haven't qu- quite bought into yet. I haven't been playing it long enough, maybe. Well, from my perspective... The RPG elements is sort of the draw to me. Um, it, it's what elevates it from, yeah, this is a, a fun, you know, one-hour game, to I want to do lots of stuff and unlock all the things. So it's it's my kind of thing. You still have Hyrule Warriors for that. but Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, anyway, it's a lot of fun. Theater Rhythm, Final Bar Line. It's for the Switch. Uh, do recommend. Also... If you happen to post in our Final Fantasy channel, we could do some multi-battles and stuff and share summons that maybe you've got, because that's fun. It's a social game? Yeah. It's just, I think Tori might have it's something just to say multi, about It's this not game. that social. You just do a song with other players. Like That's all it is. I haven't actually done it yet, but it's not that bad. Yeah. 
when I do my good thing, I'll tell you guys all about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dave. Yeah. What's your good thing? Oh yeah. So um, I also bought Theater Rhythm, but the context in which I happened to want to buy it is pretty cool. I met James Rolfe yesterday. You might know James Rolfe as the star of Board James. Yep, that's exactly what I know and him the, from. <laughs> you might know him as the angry video game nerd. Like, I've mentioned him as a good thing before. And yeah, he had a book signing not too far from where Craig and I live. And I bought his book, uh, A Filmmaking Nerd, I think it's called. And got him to sign it. And yeah, he was uh, he was pretty chill. I mean, you always hear about how, like, oh, yeah, he's nothing like the nerd character. Like, he's really calm. But, like, imagine just, like, a calm, quiet person. But then, like, even calmer and quieter than that. Like, you know, I was talking. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm really excited. I love hearing about creative people and, you know, how they came into doing what they do. They always have interesting stories. And he says, like, as, as quiet as can be. Like, I was like, I heard this guy's quiet, but... Yikes! And I, he was meeting people for a couple hours, and maybe was just a, like a little hoarse or a little tired. But even with that, it was just like he really is like super, super chill and tacit. It was, was kind of nuts. But yeah, it was really cool. Uh, I've been a fan of him for a long time since I was in college, and yeah, it was a good opportunity. I got a picture with him. I'll post it in our Discord server. We. So what if what if the persona with which he meets fans? What if that's the act? You never know. You just never know. Like, that, that's the character. The real him just screams all the time about, it's been years since I've watched an angry video game nerd video, so I don't remember what he goes on about, but whatever. Just yells all I, the time about nonsense. <laughs> I'm not as interested in the in the dookie humor as I was before, but uh, honestly, just the the critical eye that he has is, is pretty entertaining, and just, like, the raw sarcasm he brings to the table, I... I, I I still laugh out loud every new episode that I watch, even the ones that come out nowadays, uh, I, just because of how the sarcasm more than anything. I'm pretty sure I've said it before when you mentioned him. Uh, while I don't care for the toilet humor, I still watch all of his videos because they are interesting and they can be fun. Um, and, you know, you, you can ignore the other stuff. He, he he makes fun of himself in some of the videos now, which is just nice to at least be aware <laughs> of, of what he's been. He's been doing this for a couple decades now. But, uh, yeah, he's still... It's nice to see that he's still like pushing up these videos and doing stuff like that. Oh my gosh, um, Dave. I'm looking at the picture. Are you actually a big tall guy? I had no idea you were a tall yes. guy. <laughs> Dave is a tall guy. Dave is enormous. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the baritone voice didn't give me yeah. away. Actually, you can't even tell from this picture. I mean, Dave just looks a little taller, but he's like a foot above me. So yeah, uh, and I'm average. Rem- I'm average height. We should get a picture of me and Craig and post that yes. on Discord. Yes, please. <laughs> if only we thought if, to if do you that guys- yesterday. <laughs> If you guys remember that time when I met <laughs> Cross Product, Dave was also there, and I got a picture with him, and he's just he's just huge. Um, also, the tie, that. since it's required to tie everything back to theater rhythm, uh, this was at an arcade, and both Dave and I got to try the arcade version of theater rhythm, oh, yeah. which is what made me need to go out immediately and buy the Switch game, because I'm like, <laughs> I missed this. And I... I, and I bought the expensive $100 full DLC I version. I also did that. But I got it digitally. <laughs> so 
I can't wait till the Mega Man songs come out. That's going to be really So you know cool. what happened, uh, Dave? <laughs> I so wish. I actually gave my copy of the physical to my wife, and I ended up buying the expensive premium digital version as well. Because <laughs> oh, she neat. wanted to play at the same time. And I'm like, well, we're either going to take turns, which isn't going to happen because I need to play this now, or we're just going to both buy it. So we did. But James yeah, Rolf yeah. is cool. We have to play online. We're talking about Dave. Dave's good thing, which is James Ralph. Uh, so my good thing this week, speaking of YouTube videos and video games, is uh, and anger. No, there's not really anger in this one. Uh, you get angry when I interrupt you, though. I mean, sometimes. Uh, what was it? Nope, it's gone. <laughs> I've lost it. Dave, no. Speaking of video games and YouTube things, your good thing. Oh, uh, I posted this in Tory Talk, which is a Spoilers Allowed channel, and so Dave can't see it. Uh, it's a series of uh, YouTube... Or it's a YouTube series where a guy is getting 100% perfection in Stardew Valley in two years in-game. And, yeah, it's it's really impressive how much he gets done. I'm only as far as, like, early summer year one in, in watching this, and the amount of stuff he got done in spring year one is just beyond me isn't isn't two years like when grandpa yes yeah that is the the absolute fastest you can get perfection uh the the restriction here is that one of the one of the requirements is that you have to cook every dish oh oh my gosh yeah and the dishes only come out like because because they release every week on the cooking channel on the tv and one of them comes out like the last day of the year so you yeah. have to be planning ahead and have all the ingredients wow. and be ready to go. And, uh, yeah. You also have to do a million other things. But that's that's the, like, that's why you can only get this done at the absolute earliest at the on the last day of year two, which then makes the actual cutscene happen on the first day of year three, which is, like, that is the absolute minimum you can do this in because there is one recipe that, that there is no other source for that you get on Sunday, winter 28, year two. And then, like, at that point, you also have to have everything else done as well. So I imagine it's catch every fish, grow every crop. It's catch every cook fish. Every dish, um, catch, catch every fish, ship every item, ship craft every. every craftable, cook every recipe, uh, full hearts with everybody, married with 12 and a half hearts, oh every star gosh. drop. In two years. Collect all the golden, collect all the golden walnuts. Um... Because you have to do every craftable, you have to unlock every crafting recipe, which involves doing a bunch of extra quests. And you have to have the golden clock. Yes, you also have to have all four of the obelisks and the golden clock. The golden clock costs 10 million money. Um, yeah. This dude, by the end of spring, year one, had level 10 fishing, had already caught the legend, had level 10 mining, had a quarter million in profit already... Um, just, yeah, full, full backpack, uh, already completed the mines, had gotten, had multiple runs in the skull cavern to get a ton of iridium, has like 40 furnaces running in the desert, has the bus unlocked. Yeah. I was just telling At the Mike, end of spring year one. Um, that, cause this is a thing that I've tried a couple of times and you know, by halfway through spring of year one, if you just need to scrap the run and start over again, um, because, yeah, 10 fishing and 10 mining is like bare minimum spring year one that you have to have done if you're going to get there. 
Um, the fastest I've ever done it is late spring of year three. And um, yeah, Ooh. getting everything, getting all the recipes and getting That's them still cooked pretty good. by that last day of year two is actually not the hardest part. The hardest part is that golden clock I almost cast on our podcast. That golden clock, because <laughs> getting that last million to... <laughs> to buy it is that's always the thing that sets you back all right you know what tori let it rip and i will just i'll edit that part <laughs> that out go golden for clock okay. there we go okay. i feel well aren't now. we Thank allowed you. one we're still pg you get one <laughs> curse well that's that's pg-13 you're allowed to say the f word once as long as you also don't have like bloody violence or any overt sex you can have i think you can show a butt for about two seconds <laughs> <laughs> or if you're James Cameron, you can have like full frontal nudity, but only because it's James if you're Cameron. James Cameron. Yep. No, I, I think it's Literally, like a, yes. I think it's the percentage of the movie, and because Titanic was like really long. <laughs> I mean, that does explain why we saw the Hulk's entire hog for five solid minutes in Endgame. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> you would remember it, Craig. I guarantee you, you would remember it. <laughs> All right, I think I'm done. Tori, talk about theater rhythm. Oh, theater rhythm. So, okay, uh, my good thing this week is Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line, which is the latest iteration of the Theater Rhythm series. And uh, this one is for the Switch, and it is heckin' good. It came out a week ago Thursday, and I've already put, like, 50 hours into it. And um, it's... I put 50 hours into it since yesterday. Tori, who's your team? Who's your main team? Uh, I mean, it depends on what the quest is. Um, see, this is when Dave was all like, oh, I'm not into the RPG part of it. So, all right, I've got a physical mm-hmm. team and I've got a magic team. And then I've got an elemental damage team that changes Ooh. up depending on what elemental damage I'm supposed to be doing or not doing. And I have a hunter team and uh, then what? Oh, and then I have the uh, team that can take damage in case I'm playing on a difficulty that I'm... Go Cecil. And Bart's is on all of the teams. (laughs) No, actually. Um, So Bart's is, uh, uh, spoiler alert, Bart's is broken on this game um, because he's got this special ability called Job Mastered, which like um, twice during the song, depending on how many triggers you've hit, he will increase all of his stats. And that's awesome. And then he has the Mimic skill which has the same trigger. So he'll mimic the thing he just did and increase all of his stats again. But then you can also put Ramza and Siren in the same team because they both have Mimic. So it will go off right after that. And then they're mimicking Job Mastered. So they also get to increase their skills. But no, uh, the thing that Everyone really has want- high stats. Yeah, everyone so, does. So Bart's is broken for the same reason that every character in Final Fantasy V is broken within the game Final Fantasy yes. Mimic, yes. Because yes. because job mastery and mimic yes, exist. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Very much in spirit of that. Yeah. Um but no, my um so my two uh damage teams, my uh physical and my magic damage team, are both built around kind of the same um system. Uh you've got somebody who has unlimited abilities that go off when you get to the boss. And then you put everybody else in the party is just to pump up that person. Like, you can give them some skills that also take out the waves before the boss, but primarily you've you've got a cannon that's waiting to go off when you get to the boss. Um, so on my physical team, I've got Noctis, um, because mm, he's got mm-hmm. Armager, um, and he also has First Strike. First Strike is going to go off during all the waves on every wave. 
So that goes off every time you enter battle. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize how good first strike was at first. I thought it was only at the very beginning when you started right. the song, and then nope, I actually read it, and it's like every, every time, time you a start battle. battle starts. I'm yeah. like, wow, that's really useful. And again, this is like it, since you guys are new to the series, this is a series, and I, I've played all of them. So these are tricks that I have, you know, accumulated over time. But like, um, and and then. Um, on, on your magic team, the leader is Tara. Her special ability doesn't repeat every time you face a boss, but she's got dual cast and uh, she's just got this several awesome spells that go off when she gets to the boss. And so um, one of them is Riot Blade and another one is Ultima. And you can put both of them on there and she will double cast both of them when you get to the boss. So like you get to the boss and the boss dies. Um, <laughs> so it's, if I may make a suggestion, Tori, yeah. maybe in our Final Fantasy channel, you can post some of your teams because I'm looking <laughs> for team build recommendations. I know yes. about, you know, I know about Bart's and, and Ramza, Ramza, and I just um, did Crystal Chronicles, so I, I have Syrian. So I might build that, but yeah, I'm looking for other teams. I have read about like a summon based team, which has a lot of people that pump summons out. Um, yeah, and, you know, and there's using, only like Radiant stuff. There, there's there, a lot of different teams. There's only four or five summon characters in the game. There's you know, Rydia, Aiko, Garnet, and uh, Yuna. Uh, I think that's all the summoners. So you can just put all four of them on a team, and then you summon off. Alpha and... Node does get some Aiko summon. and Garnet. Oh yeah, yeah. There are other um, characters that get summon uh, boosting abilities, like Titus is one, um, but their class, their character class, is not summoner. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking for suggestions. Uh, I was reading. Yeah, some I am. I'm gonna post all the things in our new Final Fantasy stuff channel. It used to be the Final Fantasy Record Keeper channel, but Record Keeper got shut down. I'm still sad about it. But by the way, Record and Keeper added... is represented in yeah, uh, Final Fantasy, and Tyro is one of the characters and also a mimic. So <laughs> just gonna throw that out there for you. It makes me sad because I sort of <laughs> want to play Record Keeper again, and I cannot. Oh, I know because because at this point I've already unlocked uh i've cleared every song and i've unlocked every character and uh every character is level 70 or higher and most of them are at 99 already and now i'm working on um finishing off all the quests so i'm at like 75 percent on completion on the game um but uh where was it going oh yeah so when i unlocked the uh record keeper stuff uh and, and you can unlock, like, uh, they call it album covers in your little collectible area. And um, there, there's just pictures from Record Keeper. And I was like, oh, sad. <laughs> Nostalgia. Mm. Okay, that's my good thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, we do something else after good things, right? I don't know if we have time for that, Mike. I mean, I could talk about this no, some more. This is I the really good could. Steep t- <laughs> I'll talk about it <laughs> in our new channel. And uh, anyone who wants to trade summon stones with me, you can hit me up after the show. Oh, me. But Pick how me. would our listeners access that channel? You need to do something that our listeners can engage with. Oh, Corey. sure. Why are you leaving yeah, our listeners? Yeah, the listeners out? that. Uh, so if you visit patreon.com slash cosmerecast, then you're going to find a link to our Discord server. And then, uh, and you don't even have to pay for the Patreon stuff. You can just, the link's there for free. Um, and, and then you can get to that channel that I was talking about. As long as you feel guilty. I think that's why Mike makes people go to the Patreon. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> exactly least, that, yes. They have to at least think about giving us money. <laughs> but you don't have to. <laughs> but if you do, we appreciate it. And you get 
extra content access. But we're not going to talk about that now because we're already 20, almost two minutes into our recording and we haven't even started Chapters Dave yet. Sorry, you talked about Final Fantasy. Yeah, we're starting uh, Chapter 70, I think, through the end of the part and also the interludes. I believe this is the first time that we started by concluding a part and went into the interludes in the same week. We usually either start with the interludes. Well, you can thank start with the interludes. You can thank Diagram Tori for that one. <laughs> she she has felt benevolent and let us end with a interlude. Yeah, she must have been feeling really Thanks, smart. Thanks, malevolent Tori. Malevolent. <laughs> <laughs> what? Try try that again, Craig. This isn't. This isn't the a thing gag, in you my guys. head. This is real. You have to understand. <laughs> yeah, I don't do this on purpose. In my head. I know exactly how it's pronounced. Then when it comes off my tongue, it's like blah, 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 blah. It's just what happened. All right. So the villain in Sleeping Beauty is named... Maleficent. There you go. Wow. Well done. I can say some things correctly. All right. I, uh, I should open up chapter- Dave's stream in our voice channel so that I can see his bullet points. And this is a thing that if you were a patron... And you felt like joining us during our live recordings. You could also see. As well as our beautiful faces and my face. And the shadow that comprises my face. Yeah, Craig didn't turn his light on. No, this is the light. It has one light bulb. His, his OBS is using the light. He couldn't have his, his light go on. Both. <laughs> well, you can do I like actually, I do, I do have... Like, have a little candle next to the recording area. I actually have a light that I need to... Welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast, where we talk about Chapter 70 through Interlude 9 of Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson. Chapter 70, entitled, Well, Sound Advice, Riboniel Andor Navani. That's from the uh, epigraph there. I don't remember what the advice was, but I guess it was apparently sounds or about sounds. Maybe it was a sound advice, like, make sure that your audio levels are good, or don't overtune your treble, or you'll get a hissing noise. It could have just been No, it was advice. about sound, I think. Right. It, it I... was about the opposites of sound. Wait, it was about, it was about islands? Opposites. Opposites of sound. Sound has no opposite. It's merely overlap vibration. Is the same true? sound, but sound has meaning. This sound does, at least. These sounds, the voices of gods. Sound advice, whoever wrote that. But sound could have an opposite, right? Like you can have a, a in frequency. What is it? A dish. Like if something is 800 hertz, you could have something that's one over 800 hertz. I don't know, but this is reminding me of one of the Zen questions. Like what is the opposite? Like what's yeah. the sound one of one hand, hand clapping? Yes. Sound of one hand clapping. Yeah. That. No, so there is what is it? A destructive interference or something? You can you can get something like that. Which isn't quite an opposite, but that's that's how you know headphones work with sound dampening they're actually playing a different um oh i have headphones like it's really cool because like when i'm in the office like you can hear the the heater or whatever going off and like there's an ambient hum throughout the office and i have these noise canceling headphones and i put them on and then it's like it sounds like seashells when you put the when you put the headphones on but then when you push the button it's just like it stops and i'm like I know it's not stopping noise. It's it can only output noise. It can't subtract noise. But in some way, it's adding noise that subtracts my perception of. Yeah, it's so it's weird, cool. guys. But if a tree falls in the woods and it lands <laughs> on a bear that's pooping, is there a pope? Uh, butterside down, <laughs> I believe, is the way that. One. Thank you. Dave. 
Uh, Let's talk about a book. (laughs) Have you heard the one where it's like, if a husband talks in the forest and his wife isn't there to hear him, is he still wrong? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Even I know that one, Tori. Kaladin dreams about the death scene from Mario 64. Hey, I didn't mean to reference N64 three episodes in a row. It happened (laughs) organically. You can't prove otherwise. And dead hand, I guess. All right. Moash is Freddy Krueger in Kaladin. Dabid wants a turn with the Jetsons, Briel. Hey, Dabid lied when he said he couldn't talk. Next scene. Navani is playing Connect 4 while Raboniel is playing 7D Jenga ship. <laughs> the Pursuer thinks the other guy got powers. I think the other guy being Kaladin in this case. Uh, Pursuer gets stabbed a lot again. Leshwife is here to fight. So Frenna must find the underwater noodle. Fighting is better with friends. Kaladin misses his friends. True. Dang. Kaladin would go out with Leshri if he could get along with her god or whatever. Kaladin goes underwater, then does something that impedes his ability to survive underwater. The singers dog Kaladin through the reservoir. Kaladin runs out into the rain barefoot, which I think counts as two Tarantino references in a row. All's well that ends this chapter. So it's a good thing the guy's <laughs> name is the Pursuer and not the Killer, because... Uh, he, he's not very good at killing Kaladin, but he is good at chasing. Okay, but if he were just the killer, that would imply that every other singer refused everyone. The rest of them don't do any killing. I guess, yes. And he, yes. he's so just do, like doing all of it you know, for, he's like, for an infinite war. Do none of them, do, do none others do any pursuing at all then? Is, is that what you're implying? Oh, let's yeah, is pursuing exactly all right in her own way. <laughs> wink. Wink, fade out. Leslie wants to wink, but Odium won't oh, let her no. fade out. <laughs> Actually, Odium would totally yeah. let a fade out happen, though, if he knew what was happening. Right? Passion, baby. What do you mean, if? Passion, baby. Yeah, exactly. Odium uh, would be over there like, I want you to seduce him. Seduce him hard. He doesn't realize that Kaladin has a crush on her, though. Kaladin doesn't maybe realize it. They're like one OTP right here, Kaladin and Lushway. Well, that's that's why Moash <laughs> is doing the Freddy Cougaring, because Odium doesn't have any connection to Kaladin, so he can't know what Kaladin mm, is thinking. True. All right. Well, he's thinking about the screen fading to black and Bowser uh, laughing maniacally in the background while the screen fades to black. Well, it All right, fades. so summary. Um, so this is a <laughs> Kaladin. Hang on. Whoa. Did you read chapters, Craig? I did. Yeah, I read all I the too. chapters. Oh, did you finish the book? No. <laughs> I mean, I did at one point. I, I read the prerequisite chapters for this week. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Kaladin is nightmaring because Moash is making him uh, experience nightmares as he's doing. And he's a jerk. What's what's the that's just an F Moash, right? Like that. That's that we haven't changed that. Correct. F asterisk asterisk. Aster, space bar. There you go. It's actually an underscore. (laughs) Well, you can't have a space bar in a URL. So um, what's happening is the sibling's uh, third node is being attacked, and the sibling was trying to reach Kaladin. Well, actually, Dabit was trying to wake him up, but of course, with the nightmare, he wasn't able to do so. So Dabit ran off with... Well, he could have yelled louder. Maybe that would have woke him up. Well, he doesn't talk at this point yet. That's in like three bullet points. Um, <laughs> so yeah, with the gauntlet and and I think with the spear, he he runs off to try to help himself. You mean you mean the power glove Jetson's yeah. real? So Kaladin wakes up. Yeah. He finds out what's happening. Uh, still tells him. So he runs. You know off. how they have those belts? 
Wouldn't that be really uncomfortable? To, like, move around with your belt? Yeah. Well, I think in the... I think I think that Brandon's using this book to answer the question. What if Jetsons? <laughs> I think fell? in the Jetsons though, really it's actually doing some kind of anti gravity though. It it applies to your. It's basically doing what Windrunners mm. do to their whole body, not like the Gauntlet is doing to your hand. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been like okay. rock climbing and worn the rope harness and done some, you know, hanging around, being elevated by these ropes in your crotch. It's very not comfortable. So. I wouldn't try the belt thing. So anyway, uh, Cowden catches up with Dabid because uh, he, I guess, is the better fighter. And Dabid hasn't really used a spear before. So he relieves Dabid of his duty. And Dabid does say life before death. So he does speak. It's just very, like, slow and sort of quiet. Um, But he does speak. It's the first words. And it's nice because it's the ideals. Um, Okay. Okay, Tori, with your your rock rock climbing expertise... Mm -hmm. Would you rather that all of those ropes were, like, attached to your a single shoulder? <laughs> no. No. The, the rock climbing harness really does spread it out. But uh, I'm just saying you wouldn't want to try any of it without Stormlight unless you were really good at the climbing thing. Um, so scroll down, Dave. Okay. So then we switch over to Navani's perspective because she was sort of uh, talking to Sibling while this was happening. And the Sibling makes come how you can't really try to think about what the fused are doing like they they have existed for thousands of years they have plans within plans like just just don't do that so navani is playing connect four that's that's what dave is referring to there um so eventually kaladin arrives at the well which is where the node happens to be and the pursuer noodle. is there because it's a it's What's a, it's a trap the noodle i'm sorry yes it is the noodle okay. um uh... it's a trap so Kaladin's like, okay, I'm going to use my gauntlet and I'm going to make it seem like I have Windrunner power. So he's like doing all these stuff. The Pursuer, since he doesn't have Windrunner-y type powers, he doesn't really know what's up. He's just like, oh, you got your powers back. Um, but they, they, he still tries to choke Kaladin. It's, it's what they do. Um, but Kaladin does manage to stabby-stabby him and chase him away so he can go heal, which is good. But there's still a ton of fuse and everything around, and Kaladin... Uh, including Heavenly Ones. And Kaladin knows the best way to deal with it is to do one-on-one duel a Heavenly One. And he finds Leshui and offers a duel. Of course, she knows what's up because he's not flying like a Windrunner. It's like, why Why are your powers weird? Like, this This is a joke. Like, Yeah, he knows Waifu's not going to kill him. Um, so, so they... And unless he leaves the toilet seat. They that. spar a little bit and he, he does actually talk in exchange with her to, to mention that. Um, I mean... I mean it, it's clear he's there to protect the noodle, so it's not like he has a lot of time. Uh, eventually, he just uses it as a distraction so he can get past everyone and get into the well to destroy the the noodle, which he does so. I like the the part where he leaves Leshwi to to dive into the well, you know, because I guess Solfrena was looking for it, so he was buying time for Solfrena to to find where mm, the right. noodle was. And he's like, he's like, uh. You know, I never technically agreed that this no, was a no, tool, he's like, so... Leshwi, what would you say to taking this to the ground and not using any powers? And she's like, aight, and she starts to <laughs> land, and he's like, I didn't actually say I was gonna do it, I was just asking what you'd think, and then like, zoom, off over her head. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he's like, don't think of this as like, a broken earth. But let's think know? about this, any other fused, he wouldn't say anything, he wouldn't care. But it's specifically with Leshwi, he wants to make it clear that he's not breaking an oath. He wants to leave a good impression on her. And, and I, I appreciate that. 
Um, hopefully Lashley appreciates that too. So he gets into the well, he destroys the noodle, but like I said, it's a trap. So they cover up the well and trap him in the water. Uh, and they sit a bunch of people on top of the, uh, the, the thing they cover up, the manhole cover, whatever the heck it is. And then he, and then he starts punching at the roof, like, like he did in his training montage, right? With, uh, Pai Mei. The Chinese guy. Pai Mei, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> he starts <laughs> punching at the roof like in his training with Pai Mei. Uh, anyway, it doesn't work. And he's able to punch through all of the fuse that are sitting on top of the coffin lid. Yeah, that, that doesn't work. eventually escape. And then he goes across the street to a restaurant and asks for a that glass really of water. That really doesn't work. Anyway, uh, but... The water is entering the well in some way, so rather than trying to go out to where they gather water, let's find out where it comes from. So he swims out that way. It leads to a reservoir, um, but it, it's not like the fuse didn't know uh, that this existed. So he still faces some resistance as he tries to get out. Um, and then eventually... It was He does have like a moment where he's like, okay, well, he starts to panic, and he's like, remember your training. Don't no. panic. Okay, now what do I do? Like, <laughs> uh, so he he actually ends up running out. And in big red letters on the back of the book, I mean. D- due to all the, the fuse and everything around, he runs out into the high storm that is actively happening outside the tower because, uh, you know, there's no fuse out there. And cut to lightning. We managed to fit in a third Tarantino reference. I wish I had thought of it while writing the notes. Oh, well. <laughs> Chapter 71 entitled Dalinar Chapter. Light must needs have intent. Although light's capitalized, I think the author of Rhythm of War is, since they capitalize light, they're specifically talking about invested light. Well, because they're, I don't know, because they're like, all light is investiture, but light is capitalized. So that's like saying all investiture is investiture. Well, they say when they if- capitalize light, they're only talking about like storm light and life light and void light. Maybe they have a different word for light in their language. It gets translated as light in capital So letters. the quote is, if light is investiture and all investiture is deity and deity has intent, then light must have intent. That's that's the... But the point is, what do they mean by light? And since light is capital, I think they're talking about magic Yeah, it light. seems pretty clear to me they're talking about like storm light, life light, and all that. Okay. Tower light, void light. Hoid light? No, uh, not hoid light. Mayonnaise light. I mean, Hoy's turned down shardship, okay? There is no Hoid light, and that's by his choice. <laughs> Thankfully. Preservation light. What would the intent of Hoid light I guess even is also be? a combination. I guess preservation light is a type of mayonnaise light, isn't to it? To be annoying to Cal- or Kelsier. I almost said Calden. To Kelsier. Or is it? Because he's already mayonnaise. No, it would be harmony hmm. light is light. I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, harmony light would be mayonnaise light. Because they're mixed um, together. But, but is it still cons- is it still considered mayonnaise light? Because Harmony's already combined into one well, shard. Well, I now. mean, you think about mayonnaise as just it one combined thing. You don't think about it as you know. Right, but the I don't know if it's mayonnaise so the question- light because I feel think of mayonnaise light as combining the lights, not combining the source of the light. Although, wait, the question you should ask, Dave, is if honor and cultivation, the shards, were held by one entity, thereby combining, would it just always produce tower light? Also. I feel like we should stop calling it mayonnaise light because mayonnaise is just eggs and oil. The emulsifier there is having a small enough amount of oil when you start mixing it and adding it slowly in. Like the emulsifier is just the act of mixing and like proper ratios. Aioli light, I feel like would be a little more accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Garlic aioli. Okay. But now that I got me thinking, what if uh, 
What if honor and cultivation had actually come together as one shard when they created the sibling? Oh, I saw them in the closet, and they became one shard, and then they <laughs> and then the shard looked at. Me. <laughs> And then the sibling looked at you. Yeah, let me help you out. Um, honor and cultivation were in the closet making towers, and then I saw one of the towers, and the towers looked at me. Yes, thank you. Thank you for clearing <laughs> up my, my faux Ralph Wig. Uh, so, yeah. What if... Yeah, that's interesting. What if they actually were one shard when they created... Well, they were still held by two different people. Tanavas and... uh, What's the cultivation holder? What if they... Cultivation, I guess. I don't know. You you don't remember who... Her name? Uh, I I don't know that we know Edgley Seaster. I don't know that we ever found that out. Let me look. I'm gonna look, too. All right. Stormfather lets Dalinar see into the present. Hey, Stormfather, can you save those... They just died, (laughs) lol. If... Stormfather chooses not to decide. He still has made a choice. At least according to Neil Peart. Okay, according Dallin- <laughs> according to the Copper Mind, it's Coravellium Avast. Is she related to Tanavast? I don't know. Or maybe they're married. I don't know, and man. That's maybe. Yeah, yeah. I guess Coravellian and Tan. Maybe they were married. And we and we do and know that she is a dragon. And they had a child named. I mean, I've seen Shrek, so nothing's weird anymore. <laughs> I just watched it today. How very appropriate. So, hold on. Does that mean that the Cultivation God Metal's proper name is Coravellium-ium? Nice. Nice. Coravellium-avastellium. Dalinar swims against the storm front and finds Kaladin hanging on a ledge. Or chilling oh, on it's a, a word of Brandon that Coravellium and Tanavas were once romantically involved. There you go. I already figured that out. I explained yep. the whole thing. Yep. All right. Yeah, they were in the closet making towers, and a tower looked at me. <laughs> we covered this, Craig. <laughs> Dalinar says, life before death. Kaladin replies, oh, yeah, I forgot death was an option. And let's go. There was another Bondsmith. Was as in once was, or maybe there currently is. Uh, we know someone broke a bond with the sibling, I think. Could that Bondsmith still be alive? But my question will soon be answered. Dark-skinned woman with shin-like eyes... Hello, Shalash. No, no, Her no, that's not what you wrote. That's not what you wrote. <laughs> I was halfway through the sentence. All right, you guys told me that anyone that's good. has shin-like yep. eyes to expect that it's a world hopper. Correct. Uh, on Roshar. And which darks? Specific, on specifically on Roshar, yeah. Okay, well, okay. If they say they have shin-like eyes on on cell, that's like No, weird. I, I think it what we told you was anytime they're <laughs> describing someone as having, you know, this feature from this area and this other feature from this other area, then they're probably... Although, to be fair, uh, Shalash is a world hopper. Yeah, I was about to say, like, she's from, yes, she's you, from you nailed it. She is, in fact, not from Rosa. She's just not Chris. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, Chris is, appears in a lot of books and is a dark-skinned female with shin-like eyes and a world hopper, so... That was my first thought. Then I finished the sentence and realized that it was it was uh it was the the painting slashing lady. Oh, that's what her name should be. Just slash because <laughs> she slashes all the paintings. Or splash slash because splash art slashing. And it's just really confusing. Just call her Ash for short. I mean, we can call her Slash. That works. Just slash. <laughs> oh man, she plays a mean guitar. And you've got another Tarantino reference in there. I. See. Oh, about that, I do. Ishii is a bondsmith. Uh, 
Not Oren Ishii. Oren Ishii is the character portrayed by Lucy Liu from Kill Bill. <laughs> and Ishii uh, was the creator of the Oath Pact, one of the heralds, the one that held the uh, Bondsmith Honor Blade. All right. So Dalinar <clears throat> thinks that maybe he can get some, some uh, Bondsmith tips from Ishii. All right, Dave. I think it's time to bring you up to speed on this. Uh, we don't trust Ishar. Um, we super don't trust Ishar. Ishar. There's a lot we can talk about him. Uh, isn't Ishar a nation? No, no, Ishar is a person. He's he's responded to Dalinar before. He's like, hey, you should totally join my coalition of monarchs. And he's like, he's like, no, you're a heretic. Like, what makes you think you have powers? I'm the one and only here. And blah blah blah. He's. Are you saying that Ishar is Ishi? Yes. And also the, the god king of Tukar. <laughs> yes. The guy that they're currently attacking is run by Ishar. I thought they said that... I, I, the way that it read in this paragraph in question, it sounded... It was like, oh, you're running your armies against Ishar. And I thought Ish... I was like, oh, that's interesting. Ishar, the nation they're attacking, must be named after this I mean, Ishi guy. Uh, yeah, to clarify, they're not straight up attacking Ishar's forces. They're attacking uh, Odium's. They're trying to like push them into Ishar's... Um, forces on the other side that's true that is true it's like uh, hey let's again, let's push our enemies into everybody's in <laughs> and, and again ishar's country is tukar t-u-k-a-r tukar uh also ishar is the one who told nail to kill prospective uh radiance to prevent uh another re- um Rec- uh, that thing we're doing right void now bring a ring yeah one of them we'd bring a ring one of them <laughs> desolation there we go <laughs> To prevent another desolation. That's that's Ishar's ultimate his fault. And the Heralds constantly like to mention that if anyone is sane, it would definitely be him. Despite us reading text from him to Dalinar, clearly mad with power. But no, the other Heralds sane with power. think that he's Craig, still sane. Craig, have you ever tried going mad without power? <laughs> it's no fun. Nobody listens right. to you. <laughs> One time I didn't pay my electricity bill and I got mad. <laughs> I'm mad about off. power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, d- d- dude so, can't be trusted. So, so keep an eye on him. I think we'll talk more about him uh, when we talk about the, the book wrap-up. That would probably be a good time to bring Dave up to speed, I think, Mike. I mean, we can bring him like 90% up to speed right now, and I think we more or less have. So basically, Ishar is sus, is at the same level of certainty for us, as uh, what's her name is a Chandra. Rushu. Yeah. Rushu is a Chandra. No, I, like I those those are roughly equivalent. I'm more certain right Ishar is sus than Rushu is a Chandra. I'm that certain. I'm herald. that certain. What what horrible thing has any herald oh, ever right? done that we should doubt them? Other than slashing paint and murdering street rats and i don't Riff know raff, street rats abandoning their friend to damnation for four thousand years like what has any of them ever done well to to take town did catch a dark trust. once and that's that's not <laughs> we don't trust that no but town crazy. is the only herald i trust town is the best of them and also or no he is he still is he's the only Harold. I don't know, man. He cracked after only 4,500 years. He never cracked. You are wrong, Dave. <laughs> we actually do have word of Brandon on that. Town never broke. Town never yeah. broke. How? Yeah. What, how did all this Good happen? question, we'll, Dave. That's all we, we know. We have some that's, thoughts that's on that. That's our word of Brandon the, that we have. That's the extent of it. You know everything we know. What? We have a, we well, have a theory. Uh, 
I we'll think talk we, about we can it talk about it after. We can talk about it. No, uh, we can't talk about that theory until after Dave's done with the book. Ah, uh, fine. Stay tuned, Dave. Moving on. Anyway, Town Never Broke. So, He's the best of them. He's the only one that's good. Uh, at least Shalash is, is willing on. to work with him. So. All right, so in this chapter, Dalinar's like, oh, I wish I could see what's going on at the tower. And Stormfather's like, why don't you just watch while the storm passes by, lol. And I think this one... We're, we're, I'm starting to cut Stormfather a little bit of slack because he doesn't really know all of Dalinar's powers either. And at least, like, I mean, I guess the part where it's like, yeah, you can watch from the point of view of the storm. Yeah, maybe he could have come forward with that. But then all the detail, like, he can move within the storm or he can talk to Kaladin from the storm. Like, that might be, you know, he didn't know how useful that stuff would. And then... Dalinar's like, why'd you kill those guys? And Stormfather's like, I'm a storm. That's what storms do. And Dalinar's like, no, you're better than... And then Stormfather's like, I'm a storm. And then he almost kills Kaladin. And then Dalinar says, for death. And then Kaladin says, life before... Oops, my grip is letting go. Uh, So I guess Kaladin's dead now. So we have that to uh, find out in part four. Except it's going to cut away from that. It's only going to be Shadesmar people. We're not even going to find out what happens to Kaladin until part five. I know how this goes. Oh, he left a he left a chasm hanger at the end of part two with the uh, Shadesmar team, and now Kaladin's just going to be falling through the sky for three months or however long it takes to get through part four. Okay. I didn't actually no, he look pushed, to see he the pushed him over the railing. Part five, four. Yeah, he's up on the eighth floor balcony. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So this finally explains something that I was confused about from The Way of Kings for so freaking long, and I asked about it, and people explained it to me, and that made sense, but this is finally an in-book explanation, that when when Kaladin was strung up for the high storm, or, wait, was it when he was strung up, or was it a different... No, it was a different time. He was just asleep during a high storm, and he had, like, the, the visions oh, he had the flying of dream. all the places yeah. the high storm went. Yeah, yeah. Went? Yeah. He legit rode yeah. on the storms, thanks to the Stormfather. Stormfather can just do that, and at no point was that explained until just now. It's just the thing he can do when he's connected. And Kaladin thinks he owns the skies, so that's good enough. Well, he he always respected the storm. You could see it in like the end of Words of Radiance. Like there, there's always been more than him just thinking that it was just any other storm. Like he and he also hates the weeping, which is kind of like you know the enemy of your enemy is my wait the friend the enemy friend of. Enemy of Stormfather is <laughs> my enemy. I think is how the saying goes. Uh, yeah. So anyway, then he uh, he looks up uh, Bondsmith Herald, and it's like, I need to talk to Bondsmith Herald. And Ash is like, There's an army in the way, and he's like, Cancel all my plans. I'm going in. That's the end of chapter seventy-one. Any questions? Uh, just for our listeners, in case you're not reading, you know, chapter by chapter with us, that is the longest chapter this week. Chapter 72, entitled, A Chapter. How did Raboniel find out about that stuff Navani said out loud with people watching her? And that's the end of part three. But not the end of the episode. That's it. That's It's two pages explaining how Navani said stuff out loud and was surprised Raboniel knew the stuff that she said out loud. That Raboniel has been listening <laughs> in to everything this whole time. And yeah, ever since she corrupted the first noodle, she was onto the fact that the sibling was only pretending to be dead, or only mostly See, dead. See, Dave wasn't and kidding about 70 Jenga ship. 
And Navani knew that Raboniel had fused who can melt into walls. Like, she knew that. <laughs> I'm surprised how quickly they acted. The sibling was like, all right, here's the third noodle. And Navani was like, all right, great. I'll tell Kaladin that uh, they attacked the noodle. <laughs> what a coincidence. They were definitely just waiting for the sibling to reveal the location. Because the sibling did say earlier that uh, they would... Um, they would think about revealing a location. So I, I think this was something that the, the, the Fused and Co. planned. And as soon as well, the sibling they were smart it. enough not to reveal the final noodle. Yes. Although Kaladin already, like, can't heal himself. I mean, I'm just, like, wondering why he doesn't just jump off the tower and then, like, heal as he's falling out of range of the void light. But Well, it's... Well, eh. how, how far does that range go, Dave? Because that's a bit of a gamble. What if it goes all the way to the ground? We already know it goes all the way to the ground because they, they've been trying to get people into uh, Aretheru from like well, through the caves. I mean, how does Scrooge McDuck swim through solid pieces of gold? Because ducks have. Is Scrooge McDuck a, a an edge dancer? <laughs> no, he's, he's one of the he's one of the fuse that that ground melts. Oh, gold man. before gold. Yeah. And Ulim is made of gold, too. Scrooge could totally just be, like, one of Odium's oh. radiants. All right, chapter I-7. Chapter Interlude 7. Seth. Seth is so vain, he probably thinks Taravangian's visits are about him. Highspren says the third ideal is a crutch. Why does Taravangian want an oath stone? So, yeah, Seth perspective. Seth is watching Gavinor and Dalinar play play swords which you know in alethi is just train kids when they're three years old to use swords it's not as much of a game <laughs> um but uh he's watching and he's talking to nightblood and nightblood's like he's like all right make sure no one suspicious shows up and nightblood's like i can see better if you draw me why don't you draw me we can slay lots of evil together and Seth is like, okay, let me just wait a minute. Last time I drew, you tried to suck my life force away, and I became Echo's person. And then there's a high spren. This is the high spren that has bonded with Seth. I don't know if we've seen this spren before, and we don't know this spren's name. But Neither does the high Seth. Spren, so. <laughs> yeah, the, the high spren is like, all right, well, I want to get you to the fourth ideal so that you can get your plate. And, uh... Seth achieved the third ideal by swearing an oath to to follow Dalinar and having da Dalinar like be his standard. But in order to get to the fourth ideal, you have to become a standard of truth. Nope. Yourself? Nope. Not yet. Not yet. Fourth ideal. Okay, is but eventually you go on a crusade. Oh yeah, he wants to go on the crusade to cleanse Shinovar. Uh, to Shinovar. What is Cleansing he doing? It. Cleansing, cleansing it uh, in in the okay. in the ethnic sense of the word of cleansing. Uh, yeah, Seth wants to do bad things to Shinovar, who may or may not. And Highspren is like, Highspren is like, sounds good, but you know you're gonna have to kill a bunch of people. <laughs> um, and Seth is like, I'm gonna have to ask Dalinar. And then I think that's where Highspren is like, because Highspren is trying to get seth all the way is it the fifth, fifth ideal, ideal i guess where you become a law yep. to yourself yeah so it sounds like high Spren is trying to get seth to the fifth ideal but like guys seth has just such bad judgment <laughs> he really does like it's not it doesn't seem like a good idea to give him absolute power over what he does is right and wrong uh 
I mean, like, look at Nail. <laughs> now look at Seth. <laughs> uh, they are the same um, picture. Yeah, Zeph is a little I, I unhinged, that, especially because his soul had to be stapled back to his body. I mean, his his body is actually unhinged from his soul, right? So I, I'm picturing like the Seth Peter is, Pan scene where they're like sewing the shadow back to his shoe. You can't prove that's not what Nail did. So Seth is actually an interesting example of one of the main themes of this book, which is taking responsibility for your own action. Uh, in Seth's past, we have. You know, he tried to warn people that uh, that the radiants were coming back, and then they called him truthless. And he's like, "Oh, I'm truthless now. So have an oath stone, and I'm no longer responsible for the people that I murder." Okay, great. This responsibility is transferred away from me. And then he goes through the whole thing where he eventually becomes a skybreaker and uh, swears himself to Dalinar. But then, like, oh, he's back in the same spot. Like he he's having Dalinar make all of his decisions and shunting his responsibility of choice onto Dalinar now and still not taking responsibility for it. So, yeah, that's kind of... Seth is kind of an interesting illustration of that theme of the book. Well, and the exact quote... Which he seems so... so of odium that it's a wonder that he didn't actually... That's interesting. Because the rest of the Skybreakers are following him. So the exact quote that happens is that he's like, I need to check with Dalinar before I do my crusade. And the high high sprint's like the third ideal is a is a crutch. Like you eventually have to move past it. So it's like right now Zeth is okay because he's listening to Dalinar. But what's gonna happen when he moves further in his ideals? But this is really interesting because like I don't know that any of the other bonded sprint are pushing people into further ideals. Like mm, you've you've seen I mean, you've seen Syl do it because she's like you have to say the words, Kaladin. Remember he tried to do it last book and he couldn't. They they know they essentially know when their bonded knight is close, and they do sort of suggest for them to say the next setup word. Okay, I don't know. I'm just like there are probably plenty of skybreakers that are at the third ideal and will remain at the third ideal and be satisfied with that level for for their lives. Mike has something to say. Yes, that's that's actually where I was going. <clears throat> uh, so the point of the skybreaker. So like the point of the um, Windrunners is largely for people like Kaladin, people who are depressed. Um, you, you refocus your attention into helping others. That's the Windrunners, right? You, you deal with your depression by refocusing on helping others. The Skybreakers, in order to become a Skybreaker, they basically have to admit to themselves that they don't have an innate sense of right and wrong, so they need an external guide. Like Nightblood. Yes, like Nightblood. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I was like, Nightblood better not be the the sense of right or wrong. What? I mean, <laughs> a la Nightblood. No, no, that's no. how I interpreted no. it. Nightblood is an excellent guide into right and wrong. His his purpose is to destroy evil. Like, obviously you want to do that. Be more like Nightblood. Um, <laughs> but yes, no, the, for the Skybreakers, it is, I don't have an innate sense of right and wrong. Therefore, I need an external guide. And then as they develop, they start to, by following these external guides, get a better sense of, you know, what is right, what is wrong, and then learn to, de- to decide for themselves. It, it's, and then most skybreakers aren't ever going to get to that fifth ideal because they aren't ever, ever able to develop and internalize the lessons that they would learn from these external guidelines. Yeah? You following me? Uh, Am mm-hmm. I? Yeah. I guess because it's... 
Uh, I feel like when I'm making a point, you guys interrupt me halfway through, and that's how I know I'm making a point, and you didn't interrupt me for this, so I feel like (laughs) I'm not not making sense. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to equivocate what you're saying about Windrunners and what you're saying about Skybreakers. Right, because then with Lightweavers, you've got the, the imposter syndrome is kind of at the core of what they've got going on. And okay, like the the relevant mental illnesses don't actually have to be present for for you to join whatever group. Like like the Lopen. Like yeah, well maybe the Lopen, maybe not the Lopen. Uh, maybe he just puts on a strong face. I don't know. Yeah, you don't know what's going on down there. Like there are other ways to to gain entry into these into these orders, but squireship. Yes, squireship is the main one. But if you also have like this specific mental illness that these steps are the best treatment they have available at the time, then, yeah, you're going to be a, a better Windrunner. You're going to be a better Skybreaker. So maybe the the trait of a Skybreaker and maybe the type of people that High Sprint seek out are people that are indecisive or uh, not, not concrete on how morality works. Is that what you're saying? Something like that. Like Or like they don't have a... They don't have a a, a good sense of right and wrong and are willing to follow an external guide um like part of what made zeth so perfect for the skybreakers was because he was utterly devoted to the idea of the of the oath stone of being truthless yeah that makes sense but it's kind of weird because like high says that the third ideal is a crutch i'll say that the third ideal and the fifth idea are antithetical to each other like the idea of I need guidance on what's right and wrong, and I can be autonomous in deciding what's right and wrong. Like they, they don't. I feel like one doesn't lead uh, to the other. It's not a crutch so much uh, as training wheels, right? Because like, oh, I, I don't know right and wrong. I'm I'm a follow what this person says is right and wrong, and then later it's like, yep, yeah, I've figured it out. I know what's right and wrong. This just sounds like being a child and having your parents tell you what's right and wrong until you get old enough to have your own yeah, sense of morality. That's, that's exactly mean, yeah, that's, what's that's happening. That's basically it, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say huh. that the third ideal for Skybreakers would probably work better if they had to follow a series of external rules. Rather than just one. Like, you spend a year following this external set of rules, and then you try out a different one. You try out a different until you start to develop your own sense of, like... Well, this was good from here, and this was good from here, and I'm just going to sort of take these in and have these be my internal guidelines. Well, for all we know, that's normally how it works. Zeth is such a special case because he was so good at originally following, you know, the the Shin and and their laws and and order, um, and then following the Oath Stone and doing whatever whoever held it what they wanted and said. Like he has been doing this. This. That might be why he's being pushed through these ideals so fast, because he's essentially been doing this path for most of his life now. Yeah. I really would like his high friend to be a character and have been introduced earlier and be a character and maybe have a name and do things. <laughs> no, no. We, we have Nightblood, Nightblood yeah. Hmm. I, I, know, I don't, okay, I don't then, care about Nameless High Sprint. I care ooh, about I Nightblood. I want Nameless High Sprint to hang out and have conversations with Nightblood. That's what I want. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. like, then I Nightblood. hate Nightblood talking into my head. I don't want him to do this anymore. So only Nightblood should have been his actual bonded spread then. Like, that's have. how that should have worked. 
I don't think that would have been a good idea for different reasons, but yes. So I was thinking about, all right, now let's go getting back to the ideals. I wonder if this is kind of a critique on the Catholic Church because, you know, they would start or claim to have started as having the Bible as a, as a source for right and wrong. And then eventually the Catholic Church evolved and came up with its own rules. And now, you know, from whatever point, on, from Constantine onward, I don't know, was like, you know, okay, cool. We got our baseline from the Bible. Now we're the authority. And now we override what the Bible says. So, like, I wonder if that's, if Brandon is in a sense getting at that just that that's the most obvious real world example but the, but that the church isn't with, supposed to be the that, that kind of idea with starting starting with like an authoritative scripture and then moving on to setting your isn't own the rules. ultimate source still supposed to be god though <laughs> Do we, i mean yes by, I can, way, uh, by way of I nail, can go on and on about this uh, <laughs> i mean at the end of the day um only one thing can be authoritative and you just have to look at the history of what uh, an organization or individual has. You know, when, when two ideals conflict, which one do they go with, you know? They go with Nail, the level five sky cop. <laughs> yeah. All right, we, we should move on, though, because episode long. All right, two hours later. My, my uh, idea is to never let you guys have a spoiler time, <laughs> and then the wrap-up will be spoiler time. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, interesting stuff about Seth and how he fits in within the book. All right, chapter I-8, cheery, cheery. Uh, just one bullet point here. Scratchers are very important, important enough to learn how to talk human. And uh, I wonder when we're going to get a Risen interlude this book. That's, that's true. We need one from the perspective that's of true. Risen. That's true, we don't get a Risen chapter. We get a cheery, cheery <laughs> chapter with talks about No, it'll be between parts four and five. Uh, okay, true. I don't want to spoil anything. I mean, if if you can't tell when your pet needs scritches and they have to learn how to speak your language to communicate that <laughs> to you, then maybe you're not a great pet owner. <sighs> My cats are very good at letting me know when they want attention, and they don't speak human at all. All of my pets have learned to tell so, time. Oh, yeah, Risen. They know when it's time for dinner, and they let me know. <laughs> I'll be like, it's not time, and look at my watch, and like, gosh, it is. So Risen is going to her Babsk for advice on how to handle her Dawn Shard power, and he has no idea what kind of assistance he can be. And he's all like, and... sleepless ones, what's that? And then she explains it, and he's all like, sleepless ones, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, Cheery Cheery has... Well, first of all, I mean, Cheery Cheery can hear the rhythms. I guess Cheery Cheery is of Roshar. You know, she's not a human. <laughs> so what was their first clue? She, <laughs> she can. She's in this like state where she kind of just wants to be a house pet, but uh, her, her visit to the homeland kind of awakened in her the the responsibility of her race, whatever that might be. I don't know. So we, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with Cheery Cheery now that she can talk. She's like, Risen, happy birthday. We're, yeah. we're dinner time. It's eat food. <laughs> like, it, eat, eat food, Risen. It's kind of funny. First, Cheery Cheery says, eat. And Risen's like, I must be really tired. I thought you just said, Risen, eat food. Oh, you really did talk. Or I wonder if it's just uh, maybe some kind of power of the Dawn Shard, but oh. I don't know. 
The, Cherry Cherry has spent some time studying the human language and trying to understand so, things. Side tan related. Um, Phantom, uh, I take him to the library and children read to him. Uh, about once a month we do that. And the, last week we went and a little boy was like, I'm going to read this book right here. And it was about making a sandwich. Uh, and this child could barely read. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, I grabbed two slices of bread. And Phantom's ears just went, what, bread? It's like, I grab a slice of ham. Ham? Did I hear ham? <laughs> and so the child reads about making a sandwich and like cheese, tomato. These are all words Phantom knows. And his ears were alert the whole time. He was like, this is a great book. I love this. This is like four, five stars. Like, and you you had to stop by McDonald's and get him a burger just on the a way home, didn't you? a puddle of drool under this dog by the time the, ch the child finished reading the book. <laughs> and I was mm. like, he's not normally this wet, I promise. Anyway, moving on. Chapter Interlude 9, entitled, I hear this interlude is not as, as mighty as the pen. Taravangian is dumb and in pain. Taravangian is hoping to Seth? <laughs> no, no, he's just hoping to zap. <laughs> you gotta zap sometimes. Right here. <laughs> Tyre is hoping to see Seth. He didn't anticipate it. He hadn't anticipated short fiction Renarin. Guys, Renarin is the short fiction. Seth is also here, though. Just as I suspected, Nightblood is the Night main Blood character. Nightblood suspected that as well. Who's, <laughs> who's the real idiot here? Uh, Alright, so this is a chapter from the perspective of Taravangian, who is quite stupid today, but smart Taravangian requested an oath stone just to bait Seth into showing up. Wait, how did you figure that out, Dave? No, there's another reason. So, Seth... So, first, Renarin shows up and he's like, Hey, guy, I still believe in you can be good. And then he leaves. And then... To the guard that's there turns out to be Seth in a different disguise and he's like why did you want an oath stone you can't trick me and Taravangian who is just so sincere today but also going off of the notes of smart Taravangian so I mean uh, he's like that sword Nightblood I think its name is it can Odium's afraid of it and we're close to Renarin so Odium can't hear this conversation I bet that you or Dalinar could take Nightblood into one of Odium's visions and attack him Well, he doesn't say it. Dalinar yet. And Seth he, is like, he volunteers Dalinar later on. And so he... And Seth is like, I'm, I know, I'm good at no people. You trick me. I'm not fall for it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's really funny how Seth's poor judgment and Nightblood's mechanics kind of work together. Because Nightblood's here to destroy evil, right? But what does Nightblood think is evil? Whatever his wielder thinks is evil, right? So we have this amoral sword with this uh, person who is trying to provide the morality for Nightblood, but he's just so woefully bad at discerning good so, and evil. Well, like he got burned real bad by Teravangian in the past, and that true. colors everything, every interaction he has with him from that point forward. And so, like, there isn't anything Taravangian can say or do to convince Zeth to go along with anything he's saying. Yeah, I also just mean in a general sense that Seth has shown a poor, poor, poor ability to discern good and evil. So, so in, yeah, that's why it's just kind of funny that he's he's the source of morality. In, for in defense, that's why he follows. That's why he follows Dalinar and forgets Renarin. 
In defense of Nightblood, ah. he does have a bit of a test that he does to sort of determine evilness, as in if people desire to use him for some kind of um, ulterior motives, then they're probably evil and they should stab themselves. Like, he he has some tests. He's not... Nightblood isn't completely blind. Wait. Oh, my gosh. It makes so much sense. Oh, my gosh. I just... I unlocked the entire secret of Nightblood. Okay. So... <laughs> You know how Nightblood, listen, Nightblood destroys evil. And it's based on whatever the, the holder thinks is evil, mm-hmm. right? And at what point does somebody holding Nightblood decide to turn the sword on themselves? It's when they run out of investiture. N- no. So. No. No. No? No. It's guards and, and, and well, I Why guess not? they had breaths, but, okay. Not, well, had a Nightblood. Does eat investiture. That's something that they do. But we've seen the side effect of that because you start getting all like weird and black veiny. Like that's just him eating your investiture. But even when you're holding Nightblood in his his sheath, you will still impale yourself with the sheath if you happen to think of yourself as evil in some way. What? We've seen that. Guards have killed themselves. And each other. Mostly each other. Mostly each other, but eventually they will impale themselves. On the like Jeez. back in I back in Warbreaker, uh, Zale, um, Vasher would like leave Nightblood just like outside the door of a restaurant mm-hmm. and go in and eat. I remember and that. And then an hour later, come back out and there's a pile of bodies and Nightblood's just hanging out. <laughs> like, yep, I did. I did some destroying yeah. evil today. How about that uh, time when in a fight he threw Nightblood at the enemy and then ran off and attacked somebody? with awakening came back and picked up nightblood yeah i remember those instances and it was my understanding that nightblood had been unsheathed those instances. not always not not like outside mm-hmm. the restaurant like i think he's still in his sheath Int- well, well my thought was that if you you turn nightblood on yourself when you run out of investiture because you don't have any divine power in you and that there's some kind of connection between how people that only have uh mortality in them and no divine attribute would view themselves as evil no but i i don't, I don't know i We're don't think have it to even read warbreaker i don't think it even would get that far i think just having nightblood unsheathed and you've got no investiture you just get eaten like i don't even think you're gonna leave a corpse at that point it's probably good that the people of nalthus have this inherent protection because they have a breath um i imagine someone else not invested on like roshar pulling nightblood would be instant but don't Normal people have more investiture than a drab. So yeah, drab has basically less than normal people. That is correct. I think there's like a minimum amount of investiture just to like be a living human. Yeah. But yeah, it's not enough to like hold an unsheathed nightblood. We're all class seven invested into class seven. Exactly. Oh man, I miss class six. Well, you, you're gonna have to get the notes from another one of your class six classmates. All right. Let's either end the podcast or do a quick spoiler time. I could do quick. <laughs> Good night, Bye, Tori laughs. She knows. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. And that's the end of this week's chapters, but not the end of this <laughs> week's episode. Dave's gone. Play the, the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. So, okay, that's plenty of time to to slip my thing. I never leave myself enough time to like do that without having to like get a teeny tiny spot in audacity to to 
to include the midtro. <sighs> Which, hey, Tori, yeah. we should get a new intro yeah, and outro. Yeah, we should do recorded. that. I should really do that. So there's something I would like to the, to briefly mention. This is not something I want to discuss, but okay. it's been like two months, guys, or, or maybe maybe a bit more than a month since Tress came out. And yeah, I'm fairly certain we're just not going to talk about Tress at this point. There's a lot I wanted to say, but it's been so long that I don't even remember. <laughs> but at this point, um, we are closer to Dave reading Tress. So we might as well just wait for that. Unless there's something you guys wanted to talk about specifically. Well, like the Aethers are are like this this really cool core concept apparently that waited how many years, how many books before Brandon introduced them? Yeah, we didn't get them until Lost Metal, and then we quickly got to get more information about Aethers in Tress. So it's we got it's here. one Aether. We got a single Aether in Lost Metal, yep. and it's like the least interesting one. Well, still, it was Although, still pretty cool. Although the way what's his face used it was pretty pretty neat, he made power armor out of. Well, that that's that was like stone. a sentient aether, so it, it felt closer to. It seemed like to me it was spren than anything else. Whereas the aethers on Tress's world, they're just primal and they just do whatever their intent happens to be. Oh, except for one aether that apparently we we were introduced to way back in the Way of Kings and just not told it was an aether. And there's the one midnight mother that can manipulate it. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, I wanted to talk about that because the Midnight Mother is totally just using the the Black Aether, the Midnight Aether, whatever the heck it's called in chess. But we only saw like five or six Aethers. And I I love that like their gunpowder development was just, oh yeah, we have have an air pressure Aether and it explodes when it gets wet. So like all their gunpowder stuff is water-based and it's, it's, it's like exactly the same, but just you, you have like a fuse damp cloth so they will they shouldn't have the phrase fire the right they should wet the cannons wet the the cannons cannons. yes (laughs) like (laughs) that might be translated for our sake yeah shoot the cannons would be would be appropriate Mm. no i like wet the cannons i like that one no 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 that that also works but like as far as an auto translate thing shoot seems like the better the better way to go because yeah they wouldn't have developed fire the cannons as an as a phrase no, but, no, shoot uh, the cannons yeah. would be emeralds. <laughs> so the the main but, um, villain well, lady had a laptop. Craig did. Craig, you just you missed it entirely. <laughs> I did. Tori, Tori did yeah. a pun. Tori did an excellent pun. Because, yeah, I because it. shoots like green growing vines shoots. <laughs> now, shoots. now I understand. <laughs> yeah, I'm still working on my dad card, guys. I'm sorry, I don't get all the puns. But yeah, um, main, main villain lady had a laptop, and <laughs> I loved that. Yep. So and her tower was a rocket ship. Well, one thing I did and... want to discuss is Hoyd. So as far as we could tell, Tress, from what it's suspected, Tress takes place roughly around uh, six of the dusk in in time of Cosmere time, which is pretty far ahead. And finally, this is the f- uh, probably the onest. Let me let me refer, let me let me speak English correctly. This is no, probably... no you had it. The onest. <laughs> this is the onest. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Um, he finally has access to Aeon Door. Like, this is how he gets access to probably the one of the last forms of investiture that he needs. And whatever the heck plan he has to get all investiture, he finally has access to Aeon Door, through what happened in Tress. And, and it's a little weird because I guess he made an agreement with... Well, what is her name? I forget the sorceress's name. Uh, I don't remember, but we saw... 
from what I've from what I've heard other people say, I haven't double checked any of this, but apparently she was one of the Irie from uh, Mistborn. Oh, really? She's actually yeah. one like we've seen her on screen. That's what I've picked up. Oh. Again, didn't double check this. Don't know for sure, but I trust the people that have told me this to know what they're talking about. I mean, I, if I had to guess, I would say she's from the Irie. So yeah, legit. I just didn't realize we would have seen her in Secret History. But but she makes an agreement and with Hoyd, and I guess because he breaks the he gets the curse broken, he gets access to Andor. Hooray! I still don't know how that works though. It's weird. Excuse me, it's a little weird. I mean, she's got Aeondor and enough power backing her, like enough inv- raw investiture backing her to create a connection from Hoyd to uh, Elantris, I guess. I don't know. Her her name is Ryena, and according to... Ryena. Secret History Part 5, Chapter 3, she was one of the five that we see on screen in her history. So cool. Um, yeah. I, my, I think my favorite... Part of a lot of favorite parts of Tress is uh, the Chandra Doctor. <laughs> Very pointedly not Ulam. ever helping Hoyd. Ulam. Like, putting no effort into helping Hoyd, just being kind of crappy to him every chance he got. And, yeah. Yeah. And, like, Hoyd's he, narration he thought it was being pretty like, hilarious. This guy, He's like, yeah, God. This guy could have helped me, and he didn't, and I hate him. <laughs> oh, that's great. Would you help Hoyd, though? Like, come on. I, when my alternative is endless hilarity that I'll remember forever? No, absolutely not. Exactly. <laughs> no, these are these are memories that I'm going to cherish forever and store in breaths because that's a thing somehow. So I think in general, Tress, it ranks up there for me, guys. Like, it, it probably breaks Warbreaker above that in my list, which I know isn't, like, high. It's it's pretty decently high, but this is... Tress is a nice book that I can read where I'm like, I need a dose of Sanderson. I might read Tress now instead of Warbreaker. I mean... It's a fun story. I agree I agree with you. It is excellent. I don't think it's a good, like, starting spot. No. Yeah, Where agree. Warbreaker, at least a little bit, is. Unless... Like, Warbreaker is one of is one of a handful of, of good starting spots, like Mistborn, Warbreaker, um, Emperor's Soul... I say So you think Emperor's Shadows of Soul Silence, is still but... a better starting book yeah. than, than Tress? Well, Tress has Tress has spoilers. What specific spoilers does it have? I mean, it, it talks about Aethers and stuff, but I don't think it... It talks about Sazed releasing the Chandra. Hmm. Oh, because... Yep. Yeah, that's true. Um, Which, like, if you don't have context, that means nothing. And when you get back to it, but you might remember the name Sazed. And then when you see it for the first time in Mistborn, you're like, this guy must be important. I don't understand how, but this guy must be important, uh, and that that's that's a little bit of a spoiler. I've like, noticed not- every now and then, especially if you look at the letters that happen in the epigraphs, a name is dropped, and, and Dave is a perfect example of this, um, where you just sort of forget what the name is eventually. Like, yeah, there was a name here that did a thing, but without any context, like, if, you, if this is the first time you're reading Tress, you don't know what a chondra is, you don't know what that means, you just know that they're not human. And that they can maybe shape chains in some way. Like, that that's the extent of what you know. And I think if you just don't go into Mistboard immediately after Tress, you're probably not going to remember. Um, but I will say, if you have a friend who's really into Princess Bride and you want them to get into Cosmere, maybe then you could start with Tress. It's it's me. I'm the friend who's really into the Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to Dave reading it. I think he'll enjoy it. Yeah, no, Tress was Tress was phenomenal. Tori, you look like you've got something. Nope. 
I, uh, it's also been a hot minute since I finished it, so it's already fading. Yeah, I, okay. I'm sick because we kept pushing it back, and now at this sort of like, I don't remember everything I wanted to say. Right. I want to I wanna put it out there. I did not pick up on Huck. Did not get it at all. How oh, that he was the rat the whole time. That. I picked up on it not from even a the scene bit. where he's introduced. Really? Yes. Nope. Didn't get any. I'm with you, Mike. Should have. I didn't notice until eventually it was real. I'm like, oh, that makes sense now. Yeah, okay, I see it. Oh, no, there were there were a lot of clues that I could have picked so up on. Many. Like, yeah. there's, there's the first introduction, and then there's, like, every scene thereafter making it more and more obvious, and, and Mike's sitting here just like, yep, this is a book <laughs> that I am reading. Nope. Sure I is. I picked up he, on it. He the likes scene to talk. where he's introduced, and then everything he said after that was just digging the hole deeper. I was like, oh, yeah, tell me more. <laughs> This is this is Sazed in the opening. He has the same kind of speech patterns and everything. You can see how he constantly went off on tangents to talk about something. Like just that's what he does. It was there yeah, no, I, in our face. I wanted to make sure that like I couldn't in the future be like, Yeah, I got it right away. No. <laughs> no, I did not. Future Mike needs to be honest about this because current Mike did not Aww. get it. Well, we'll we'll see if Dave picks up on it. That that can be our, our next bet. Will Dave figure it out? How long will it take for Dave to figure it out? Yeah, that, that will be right. our fun bet. <laughs> on, on the topic of Dave figuring stuff out, uh, so I wanted to bring up Ishar then because we were talking about Ishar. We were talking about Dalinar needing to like learn his Bondsmith's powers. We knew, or we had figured out that Ishar is extraordinarily suspicious before Rhythm of War came out. We hadn't talked to Dave about this yeah, yet. Yeah, but I don't if think. he's not talking about it yet, let's not talk about it now when there's a whole horror movie scene later in this same book that But let's bring him up to let's bring him up to where no, we were. The problem is, like the, I don't the know where this, right? we were before the book. That's the problem. It sort of blurs together and when you see what he does near the end of the book, then it's like, yeah, this is just confirmation that dude is unhinged in a bad way. Like I, I don't want to talk to Dave about um, Chanarak, or however you pronounce that, Shallan's probable Herald mom, because we've got we've got background for that that he still needs to get. Like I, I that, think you know by the my suggestion is when we do the book wrap up, we get him up the speed yes. with Ishar and Shanarak. Uh, yes, agree. In the meantime, I think but, we need like a word because <laughs> every time I'm afraid you guys are going to say something that he shouldn't hear, and I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Um, but like the the. The Chanarak thing, like, that depends a lot on um, knowing that Shallan killed her first friend and then still has something worse that she has admitted to her. I guess. My, my thought was there was always a fan theory, and we know that she was killed, her, her mother was killed roughly when, um, like, they feel, I guess we don't find about that until the, the spoilery prologue of book five, which we can't count as canon yet. Correct. Like, we can, we can use it to discuss stuff, yeah. but we can't actually count it as canon because it's not published. I, I will just say, I wasn't going to mention anything about Testament, because that, that is spoiling, so... I mean, Dave more or less figured it out already, but... He picked up the clues. We'll see if he remembers figuring it out. Yeah, this book is so true, long, yes. but it's been so long since he had that But theory, But with but... Ishar, we might have had suspicions. I forget that big post that was like, yo... Dude is up to no good. I thought that was after Rhythm, but maybe it was No, that was, that was before Rhythm of War. That was after Oathbringer stuff. But I, I because, do want to bring him up to speed with that. Well, because we hadn't gotten an explicit, um, you know, Ishar is 
Ishar is doing very, very horror movie movie stuff to Spren yet. It was it was all just like putting little pieces together at that point. Mm. And someone else did all the work for it, and we just read a post, because that's how we do. It works. But I'm done. Craig, do you have anything else? Because Tori tapped on her watch to tell us to hurry up. <laughs> uh, I, wanna, I do want to mention one thing from this week's chapters, and it's about Leshwi. And I just was something I noticed while I was reading it, but it seems very interesting that Leshwi does feel a lot closer to Honor than she does Odium. Like, Kaladin cares that he's not breaking an oath with her. I mean, the Heavenly Ones, in general, have been sort of honorable in the way that they operate. So they seem very good candidates for jumping ship, which I think they do, right? Leshwi is with them, with Wendley at the end. Leshwi leaves leaves with the listeners. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I think no, that's I neat, think and, and we see them. a lot of She that. just gives them permission to go? No, I thought she left with them. I thought she was there with them, but I, I could be mistaken. I don't remember. We'll find out. We'll find out in a few <laughs> months, I guess, yeah. Um, so regarding that, uh, I think we're being set up for Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Hopefully it ends better. I, I'm, I'm with that ship. I do want to see Calden <laughs> and Leshwi. Because, I mean, we've, we get... Very little of it on screen, and Brandon, come on, man. Uh, but, like, Kaladin's relationship status is a frequent point in, in like, his plots. Um, it, it's never the most important thing, but it is. it keeps coming up. It's got to be. So we got to be going somewhere with it's it. It's got to be. Oh, really? Uh, I, and if not Leshwi, then then who? I, is he hooking up no, with Moash? Thought, because I'm also on board I with that. I thought this whole thing was setting him up with Syl. Like, I, I thought that was going to be the whole thing. Uh, I will leave us with this quote from about Renarin. Uh, talking about Teravangian. I believe that is true, Renarn said. I see your future, Teravangian. It is dark. Not like anything I've seen before, except there's a point of light flickering in the darkness. I worry will, what it will mean if that goes out. So does he see Teravangian picking up the shard, or is that still a mystery at this point? And the flicker of light is he, just the fact that he will kill Odium, could potentially kill Odium. I don't know. I don't know. Renarin doesn't explain it, and so we don't know. Okay, well, something to think about. Yep, we'll find out later. Renarin, stop! Just, just say stuff, man. Just like explain what you mean. Don't stormfather this up. Okay. okay, I'm done. Craig, you done? Yes, I'm done. All right, Good bye night, everybody. Bye. Tori just wants to go play Final Fantasy. <laughs> this has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at @CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is "Traveling Made Up Continents" by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.